0: Okay, well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, welcome to Payment Insights, the CompuTop podcast, where we share uh, insights and expertise regarding various aspects of the payment landscape with expert guests. Today's episode focuses on going abroad, payment trends, and things you should consider when strategizing about expanding your business internationally and how to maximize success. I'm your host, Brianna Kovach, Vice President of Partnerships for CompuTop. Along with my experienced co-host, Jed Danbury. Jed, can you give us a little bit of information about your background and your role with CopyTalk?
1: Yes, thank you. So my name is Jed Danbury. I've spent fifteen years in the famous industry at large acquiring companies. Really love the famous industry and it's an exciting field and love helping clients expand into new markets and reach new customers.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Jed. Today's episode features our guest expert. Steve Villegas, who serves as vice president and head of partnerships for North America at PPRO. Steve, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your role at PPRO?
2: Absolutely. Hey, Brianna. Hey, Jed. Thanks for having me today. Looking forward to speaking with you all today. Um, Certainly in my background, uh, similar to Jed, been in the industry for a little over 15 years, uh, and I started in the industry with uh, one of the large acquirers, First Data, and worked uh, through a lot of different areas of business, SME to uh, large corporations uh, and then served as head of partnerships uh, for a lot of their business. and then uh, was with a uh, smaller PSP uh, for a while and then uh, joined Ppro three years ago. Uh, and Ppro is as a company that focuses on the local payments uh, areas of the world, uh, providing access to our partners to uh, over hundred and fifty payment methods globally. Uh, so we're excited to be here in North America. We support a lot of our partners that uh, connect to PPro. Uh, to provide those local payments, and we're excited to work with uh, CompuTop today.
0: Well, we are excited to have you join us, and uh P-Pro is certainly one of our favorite partners that we work with globally. So uh, just a little bit of background about CompuTop for those who may not be familiar with us. Uh, CompuTop is an independently owned and operated payment gateway with more than 20 years' experience with payments. Uh, We partner with best-in-class service providers and acquirers, one of those being P-Pro, to offer tailored, flexible end-to-end solutions uh, to suit merchants' needs, uh, because obviously each merchant has a unique set of needs. We support more than 350 integrated payment methods worldwide for thousands of customers, uh, and that includes processing more than $34 billion in transactional volume in just 2018 alone. So we focus on all aspects of payments. We have operations in the US, the UK, China, and throughout Germany. Uh, We are a German-based company. Um, So we know the importance of having trusted advisors with local knowledge and experience who can really work with merchants to help find the right combination, the right solution to maximize revenue potential. Um, And and this is obviously unique for each merchant, but also very unique for each market. And that's one of the things that we're going to focus on throughout the remainder of this session.
1: And with that global reach, we all know how important it is to have resources and solutions that can reach each of the clients you're looking to get to. We support clients around the world, everywhere from small, medium-sized businesses to large enterprise businesses, multinational organizations with complex solution requirements.
0: Yes, we, we uh, have uh, customers we've had for many years, and um, they are certainly what drives, they drive our decision-making. So one of the things that we wanted to discuss today is the value of having a variety of payment methods as well as the right payment methods. Um, and what's what interesting is based on research, conversion rates, you know, we all know that conversion rates, of course, make a big impact on bottom line. That's a very big buzzword, conversion rates for anybody selling online. Research has shown that offering five payment methods or more can increase conversion rates by 13%. And offering nine or more payment methods can actually increase conversion rates by 58%. I mean, for me, this is a very impressive number. That means, without doing anything else, one can see a huge increase in conversion rate just by having a variety of and the right payment methods on your checkout. Upon checkout, um, Steve, you know, P Pro has a lot of expertise in this area. What what has your research shown about offering the right localized payment methods when it comes to checkout?
2: Yes, um, what we see first of all, when you think about local payments and what's taking place around the globe, uh, typically here in the US, we think about using our credit cards or our debit cards, uh, but around the world, over 70% of the transactions on e-commerce, they use some other payment type besides uh, a Visa or MasterCard or a, a, a regulated uh, card from an uh, from international perspective. Um, so when we think about what's taking place uh, within a shopping cart, if you do not see your payment preference there, if you don't have a credit card to use a the payment, then you're going to abandon that shopping cart. In low likelihood, and what we find is that when uh, partners, when merchants aren't providing uh, the right payment method, then it's over sixty percent abandonment rate that generally takes place. uh, Which obviously, just the inverse of conversion, you have very low conversion in that case.
0: Yeah, wow, that's a that's a big number, Uh, and I think probably a lot of people would be surprised to to hear that it has such an impact.
1: And Steve, on that note, you know, thank you for sharing. As the perspective comes from a U.S. consumer or business, you know, we're all familiar with, with standard card brands, e-wallets like Apple Pay and Google Pay are generally the most common and preferred method. And we're a large co- country with, with a shared language culture and makes the payment environment a little less complex and dynamic. Um, on the next slide, we talk a little bit about, you know that's obviously a very different case with payment methods in Europe. You can see from this slide here that there are many different payment methods some have particular interest in individual countries, some are Pan-European. So in places like Europe uh, with very different cultures, uh, customs, payment preferences, tell us about how that's important for P-PRO and, and offering those specific payment methods to those customers.
2: Sure. First, I'll start off with most of Western Europe is much like the U.S. or North America, where the card and credit cards is much more highly used uh, as a for form of payment. Um, when you think about the rest of Europe, and you, you know, even starting with the, the Netherlands and working your way east, uh, most other countries are using other some some other form of payment. And I'll start with the Netherlands uh, when you think about Ideal or SEPA, which is the uh, it's the you know, standard European payment acceptance method, and that was established when the EU. Uh, was developed and where you can do you actually do a real time bank transfer uh, and provide uh, your banking information. Uh, it's uh, they everyone has an IBAN international bank account number, uh, and, and there's there's way really easy ways to pay. Uh, Ideal, as I mentioned, is a is a net is a network that connects most of the banks the large banks in the Netherlands, uh, and most I think over sixty percent of consumers use Ideal for their e-commerce purchases. So if you're not offering Ideal in the Netherlands. The likelihood of you, you know, having a consumer in the Netherlands purchase your products is very low. Um, so those those are some interesting things that take place uh, when you look at Sofort. Uh, Sofort is uh, out of uh, Germany, and they they generally are providing a, a payment method that is a pay now type of payment method, and uh, that along with uh, you know Klarna is another offering uh, that's part of that Ip entire portfolio portfolio as well. Um, Klarna, of course, offers uh, the ability to Uh, break up the payment into either uh, multiple payments, um, like six payments, or you could slice those payments up, or you can have a few installments uh, that are made. So there's a a variety of ways that uh, people are used to paying in Europe, uh, and more specifically in their region uh, they're used to paying. Uh, When you think about uh, Poland, for example, uh, P24, uh, is the one of the primary methods there, and the Polish uh, are used to that method. Uh, and in fact, the majority of, uh, of Polish uh, Polish do not have Poland uh, do not have credit cards there. So you're thinking about uh, the the necessity to offer those types of payment methods in particular countries where it's going to be necessary that you're uh, you're thinking about that consumer and how they pay.
1: Excellent. You know, that 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 brings up a great point, Steve, but thank you. That that really helps add color for folks in the US who maybe aren't familiar with, with the way those payment methods are used in other markets. Uh, on the next slide we talk a little bit about, you know, understanding the and considering what it is we we're referring to when we speak about payment methods. We're talking about more than just locally branded credit card or debit card names. That little corner we all see on the bottom right corner with the card and, and what that what that brand scheme is. Um, payment methods like online bank transfers, invoice installment payments, and other cash payments even um, are to be considered, it, it, especially as you look outside of the U.S. and the way that folks prefer to fake pay payments. You might just see, you know, a lot of folks may not have a credit card. Can you tell us a little bit more about that on this slide and just that really, those key differences between the way those transactions work on cards versus transfers and, and other payment methods?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so, when you think about credit cards and uh, debit cards, uh, usually those are uh two step processes right where uh, you're you know you're swiping your card or you're entering your card uh, or it's contactless what have you and you're you're going to have, a, have an authorization and then a uh, and then an approval and then a settlement after that uh, well online bank transfers are much different and we I would you know for those in the US or those of us that have online banking um, you're probably more familiar with that type of where you're pushing a payment out from your bank account through your online bill pay, uh, this is very similar, except it's done in, an, in a manner that you can do it real time. So if I'm on a website uh, and I want to use uh, one of you know, my local payment method, uh, let's use Ideal again or Gyropay as an example or EPS. Uh, what generally happens is I'll get a redirect to my bank or to that to that particular banking network. Uh, I'll enter my credentials. There's usually two factor authentication. Uh, it'll populate within my uh, within my app, or if it's online within my uh, banking page, uh, it'll it'll say, "Am I authorizing this payment?" And then I'll push that payment out. So certainly very different from the general experiences we're used to from a credit card perspective. Uh, but and then those those funds will be debited from my bank account. Uh, and then e wallets obviously very in a, in a similar manner. Um, obviously that's a stored uh, usually there's a stored value there in a bank account when you think about Alipay. Uh, As an example, which is a a dominant uh, payment method in China, uh, where they are actually storing and Alipay is acting acting as the bank account uh, for Chinese consumers. Uh, And so similarly, they're pushing a payment out from their wallet uh, and into a a merchant's uh, bank account, uh, in essence, and uh, it's happening typically in real time out of their account. uh, And they're able to uh, easily transfer those funds or move those funds out of their wallet. So again, a couple of different elements that are very different from what we view as uh, credit and debit, uh, and then you have obviously the other other elements along the way, whether it's uh, invoice payments, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Klarna, where you're breaking it up into installments uh, or pay later type of uh, type of uh, arrangements, uh, and then the last thing uh, that I'll mention is the you know when you think about uh, the prepaid cards so we work with a you as you have their paysafe card um, i think a, that's really a, a very broadly used uh card that's a, a prepaid card and then you have things like boleto bancario uh similarly which is a, is a bank driven cash method uh and cash uh is continuing to be uh, certainly accepted around the globe uh and it's uh while well, you have uh emerging markets that are growing where you have a, a, high, you know, a high population that is maybe unbanked, which are used to using cash as the dominant way, you still have to provide them a way to purchase on an e-commerce level. So, uh, Boleto, as an example, is uh, you're actually printing off a voucher uh, when you make an e-commerce purchase, uh, or you may have it on, on your phone, the voucher will have a barcode on it, and uh, you'll take that to your local bank uh, or whoever is, uh, is going to be accepting the Boletos, and you'll pay in cash. Uh, and that if they'll they'll scan the barcode, it'll be accepted uh, and it'll be paid, and then that's when you receive your goods or services. So very different than anything we would ever think about doing here, uh, but it certainly it works in those economies where there's you know very very heavily cash based. So that's obviously there's a, a wide variety of ways that people pay around the globe, and certainly it's it's relevant and important to know those. And equally as important when you think about all these payment methods is what's your market look like and uh, who are you selling to as a merchant and do you need to be, you know, being aware of what's happening in those particular countries or uh, regions?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think a lot of people would be surprised by the, the, uh, you know, boleto style uh, payment method that you had mentioned, um, you know, having the option to still transact online, purchase online without necessarily having a, um, you know, a credit card or, or traditional methods of payment. So it's certainly very interesting. Uh, so, actually, one of the, the really interesting pieces of information um, – oh, oh, sorry, Jed, this is this is your slide. <laughs> it's, well, no, well, Gordon,
1: it's very interesting to hear that. You know, I, I know we've heard in the U.S. domestically about some very large detailers looking to add those standard methods like karna and things like that. It really is exciting from the perspective of, of why that's meaningful and adopting to those values. Can you tell us a little bit more, Steve, about um, – there's a plethora of information about You know payment methods we have discussed here and everything during the pandemic and its effect on global economy what is the current state of e-commerce um i know we've all seen a lot more online shopping and how does that relate to customers who are looking to sell more internationally and when they're looking to reach those brands what is the buying power what what, who are these customers and businesses may try to reach
2: yeah so it's been really interesting to see what's taken place in the last uh, nine months right Uh, as we've all been in the middle of this pandemic Um, certainly i think it was expected that e-commerce would grow I don't think we expected to see the growth uh, that we've seen. Uh, When you think about year-over-year volume growth, we saw an 84% increase from our client's um, uh, in the first six months of the year, uh, and driven from uh, from a lot of movement towards e-commerce, and it's all it's across the board of different types of goods and services that I'll mention here in, in briefly. Uh, but from from a U.S. standpoint, what's interesting here, obviously, you know, when we when we think about online sales, uh, I think typically uh, twelve to 15, 12 to thirteen percent of of uh, e-commerce or retail sales were e-commerce, and we were growing about ten to twelve percent annually. Uh, well, you think about what happened in the last six months, um, really, that's accelerated to where that growth now is closer to 20% of the actual e-commerce, uh, or, or retail sales is e-commerce today, um, so it's growing at a much greater uh, rate, and that's happening globally, uh, and from, from a U.S. merchant standpoint, uh, certainly our U.S. merchants as well as merchants around the world are seeing a greater propensity of customers in some other domicile purchasing goods or services from them online. Um, that may be a factor of people doing more research, uh, looking outside, maybe having more time at home now uh, because we're maybe sheltered in place or what have you, and we're doing a lot more online shopping and and searching and looking around. And and you may find a deal for the same product in another another country, Uh, and the way the logistics work today, you're seeing that growth. And so on the slides, in particular, uh, you think about U.S. merchants um and you think about e-commerce here is is it worth about 800 billion uh 7 to 800 billion uh and this is this is a stat from the previous years so this is not even irrelevant to this year uh, but we think about you know previous years when it was probably 650 billion 57 billion of that was being sold to foreign buyers so less than 10% between 5 and 10% of that so we have to expect that would probably fall in line with the growth we're seeing maybe even more so as Again, folks like you and me have uh, uh, have more time to shop online sometimes at home, uh, but certainly it's relevant when you think about the markets around the globe. And here's what we see is uh, that the countries that are uh, buying the goods and services from the US uh, and the predominant, obviously uh, UK being uh, very similar to the US in a lot of respects, uh, certainly by not just only by language, but maybe even tradition and some other other elements there. Um, so a you know, sizable amount of, uh, of uh, of uh, goods and services being sold across the UK, uh, and that would probably be mostly done by by credit card in, in general. But when you think about uh, the other areas of the world, uh, so China, which we mentioned Alipay earlier, uh, and WeChat Pay is another one which uh, is a little bit under fire today with uh, some of the uh, you know, recent, uh, uh, I guess, elements of our government looking at uh, potential bans. But that being said, China is still one of the largest e-commerce markets and shopping uh, with, the, with the billions that they have uh, in in China uh, and the, uh, you know, the trillions they have in in, in shopping power. Uh, and when you think about what's taking place there, uh, merchants need to consider offering those wallets and ensuring that if they have any uh, purchases being made from China, uh, that they're offering those uh, or else they're missing out just because the majority of consumers there are using some type of wallet uh, for their purchases. And so that goes throughout uh, throughout the globe. It's really important. But again, this really demonstrates that the, the fact that we need to con- continue to consider uh, what other markets would uh, look like and that we're, you know, our world is kind of shrinking in a way in terms of e commerce, especially if logistics get better uh, and it's, it's easier ever than than now to uh, uh, to sell abroad. Yeah, thank you. That, that's
1: yeah. great to hear. It's been an world. I think we're all seeing certainly recent lockdowns, dramatic, dramatic impact on spending habits worldwide, and tying that together with your description of how payment methods work. And, you know, Brianna shared boleto, and just having that idea that you can go into a store with a voucher and then convert that into a payment where you're buying something in an electronic mean that comes to your door. It's really interesting to hear. On the next slide, we talk a little bit about, you know, those, those buying habits shifting. A lot of this is being driven of course, because of COVID and the things that we're seeing in the world. The increases, uh, the bucket rises together. Both domestic U.S. e-commerce as well as international is continuing to grow. This is not just a one nation specific thing. This is happening everywhere. We hear about lockdowns and people spending more time working from home. What do you see as a future for trends with regards to this increase in e-commerce? And some of these slides here talk a little bit about you know 74% of U.K. customers believe that they will prefer to you know shop online moving forward, and 40% of Americans prefer that method as, as opposed to in shopping. Where do you see that trending in the future?
2: So what's really interesting is that you, the change in behaviors that we're seeing across the globe and where in past and this may be generational it may be just people used to certain habits um, and where you think about even here in the U.S. some of our habits changing whether that's uh, you know a lot of the formerly card present purchases that we may have made whether it was the restaurant or the grocery store uh, or either other places from a retail standpoint, those shifted dramatically in the second quarter of this year to online, where uh, delivery services or order order ahead and pick up. Uh, I know for myself and my family, we ended up doing that a lot. And those behaviors have continued, even though maybe restaurants open up, retail opens up. And I think it's the same way around the globe. And so you've seen a couple of shifts take place. You've seen that type of shift where the patterns that we that we have purchased that we would have made previously have changed, and we've continued on with those uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, part of it is, you know, perhaps still dealing with some of the pandemic, but also uh, the fact is that maybe we've become used to it and we've normalized it in our everyday habits. Uh, we've also seen a shift in when you think about generationally, um, I think about, uh, you know, parents or in-laws and some of what how they may have shopped before and never, you know, always just using cash or maybe never thinking about ordering something online, Uh, you know, now they are ordering those things. Now they are moving towards online because they're having to learn out of necessity to a degree. And then at the same time, discovering that it's a little easier uh, to make those purchases, or maybe, you know, maybe they didn't realize how easy it was before. So you're seeing shifts in, in behaviors there as well. So I think that's part of why these stats are here is where uh, because those changes have been made and people are recognizing how easy it is. And I think we, be, I think we always saw that e-commerce would continue to grow, but obviously we were really forced to have that growth, have, you know, be mandatory in some ways uh, take place. And that's certainly uh, relevant to the shift in behavior. And I think we're going to see that for the future as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would imagine not, not only are consumers becoming more um, comfortable with that and adapted to it, but but merchants uh, who may not necessarily have had as much of an online presence, or maybe if they did, um, they've recognized the value and really, you know, beefing up the user experience and making the things, you know, their sites easily, um, easy to navigate, et cetera. So, I mean, certainly I think with with these necessary, necessary shift, I I agree. That's probably something that's probably going
2: to continue for the future. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think that that has been a big piece of it as well is is merchants recognizing and shoppers like us, we want to be able to make sure that we are uh, having the the, the easiest way to, to pay, right? The easiest shopping experience, whatever is easiest. And I think, you know, I think a lot of us will refer to Amazon at times, right? With the one click, and they kind of mastered that. Uh, and I think every merchant has taken notice and trying to make the uh, the, the payment method, uh, you know, the payments piece, the easiest part as possible. Um, so you're not, you know, you're, you're not second guessing your purchase potentially, or you know, backing out of the shopping cart, uh, but you're going through with it and it be making it very easy. So it re, you know, really eliminating friction. Um, so interesting slide here, and these are some of the top trends we've seen in the last in the first six months this year, and these continue. Um, so you can see some of the stats here, and these were just really relevant. And some some surprises here, uh, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised because I know I saw a lot of packages show up at my own door uh, with some folks in my household. Uh, the top one, women's clothing, growing that much. Uh, we talked about food and beverage, and certainly I think if you think about the online ordering and how often, uh, and I you know I found it easier just to go and pick up food at times than uh, try to order it or uh, go in, into a restaurant and thinking about weights or thinking about you know potential risks and those things that take place. Uh, furniture and home furnishings is interesting. I think we saw a really large uptick, especially, and this probably goes with electronics as well, especially immediately following uh, when things started to go into lockdown. When you think about uh, did 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 somebody need a new office chair potentially because they were going to be sitting at a, at their desk or maybe they had to buy a desk or a monitor or a mouse and keyboard or you know, whatever it may be, although we saw a, certainly a, a pretty large increase in those areas. Um, particularly in the second quarter, uh, because of a lot of the work from home uh, changes that were taking place around the globe. Uh, and then gaming has always been obviously uh, an online uh, mecca, and uh, certainly we saw a lot of growth there, and I think this really probably dealt with, uh, you would always see growth in gaming, but especially uh, video gaming when, uh, when a lot of the schools all of a sudden got let out uh, prematurely for the summer. Uh, in, the, in the you know in the spring and uh, certainly we saw a rise and a, a huge increase uh, from a lot of our partners uh, and their merchants that are in the in this part of the uh, industry uh, and so it's not surprising and I could even say in my own household uh, certainly there was a lot of online gaming going on here and uh, you know, when school was a you know, online learning was maybe a couple hours a day or whatever it turned out to be and then you know, it took us right into summer so I don't think any of these trends would surprise anyone. Uh, but it's just been interesting to see that kind of growth uh, in these various industries, uh, and I think after we get through this year, we'll we'll probably map that out and look year over year and see what did that look like, and are we still continuing to see these same trends, uh, or have the, have the trends shifted anywhere uh, into other areas uh, around uh, in other other uh, segments? Uh, we would imagine eventually travel will come back, and that'll be a huge growth you know growth into some point in time. At least we all hope travel will come back. Uh, you know, I, I know personally, I miss, miss traveling to some degree, uh, but i you know, am very fortunate and thankful that I get to work from home as well.
0: Yes, I I, I certainly am with you on the the travel. Um, I, I I originally was a bit surprised uh, by the growth in the food and beverage sector of two hundred and eighty five percent, but I suspect that a lot of that is that. Uh, I know that many restaurants have stated that they're not accepting cash anymore. So um, where folks would traditionally come into a, a restaurant, dine in, uh, and there would be a, an exchange of cash. I would imagine that influences that number. I was also initially very surprised by the growth in women's clothing stores of 311%. I thought, wow, um, we're, we're likely to have some very well-dressed people post lockdowns. But uh, <laughs> upon further thought, I, I suspect that a lot of that must be in more leisurely wear. Um, were comfortable at home wear, whereas many people having to spend so many hours outside of the home in an office, traveling, um, they may not have necessarily had as much leisure wear as they needed during covid nineteen time.
2: Yeah, I would agree with those, both those sentiments. And going back to the food and beverage piece, just one one more point that I'll make. Uh, I think when you think about the, again, going back to uh, frictionless, uh, there are there are a lot of different apps that have been developed uh, that are centralized into the menu app, uh, and I think there's a few out there that all that will uh, dominate the market. But what I've seen is when you use them once, and if you store your, then it's really easy to go in there, and even you know the ones that are really advanced, they'll they'll know what you ordered last time based on your credentials, and they'll pop pre-populated. You want to order the same thing you ordered last time, and if you're a creature habit, you like the same foods from the same restaurants. It's pretty easy and it's almost as easy, you know, easy as uh, some of those retail purchases. So I think we'll continue to see, uh, see some of that uh, continue to help drive uh, uh, the restaurants uh, food and beverage uh, uh, growth there too.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. You both up great points on how. You know, COVID has kind of forced our hand if you will, and changing for preferences and payment methods and the relevance, the less reliance on cash. I um, it's always interesting when you go to businesses, and even if you do have a cash transaction where it's accepted, there's no coins available. There's shortages in that space. So a lot of these behaviors have been changing just over time and kind of have accelerated with this environment we're living in right now with e-commerce shopping and, and that. Tell us a little bit more about your lo- local payment methods and, and, and this adoption from cash and other methods. Is, is relevant because of what you provide, what CompuTOP provides, to allow businesses to sell to those markets and offer those those very – payment methods. The next slide here talks a little bit about specific examples. If you could share some of that, you know, the expertise of the folks in Europe who have kind of been ahead of the curve as well in the U.S. on adoption and use of these local payment methods and what that means for selling into that market. But also, how is that going to affect the U.S. market as we become more accustomed to, to making payments that are not traditional card or cash?
2: Sure. Yeah, I think the first point is you're um, thinking about there's two factors here. One is it's how do e-commerce sites, how do those shopping carts uh, interact with consumers, going back to the frictionless, but also ease of use, uh, products availability. Uh, And as our world has continued to kind of grow smaller in terms of the ability to shop anywhere, uh, the other thing that's taken place is when you think about adoption of technology. So 10 years ago, most of the world did not have smartphones. Uh, Fast forward, now almost everybody has a smartphone. And smartphone has really helped leapfrog in a lot of areas, a lot of, uh, you call it emerging markets, where, again, as I mentioned, with cash was very dominant at one point in time. Uh, they're and again, going back to generationally, if there's not a, if most are unbanked in a, in a certain region or country, uh, they're looking for other ways to pay. Uh, and a lot of times, again, it may be a bank transfer method uh, that they're able to use, or uh, there's, there's a cash method. There's some type of cash. Uh, transfer that's being taken place where I'm moving cash. I'm 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 paying with cash at a particular location. So because of that, that's why the dominance and the growth in this particular uh, stat here uh, of moving. While e-commerce is growing globally, it doesn't mean that the credit cards are 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 dying. It means they're they're continuing to grow as well. It's just that the the majority of payments that maybe weren't available in e-commerce years ago are now becoming even more relevant in those markets. And so the, both the payment schemes that we work with around the globe, that you all work with, uh, they recognize that. So they're trying to adopt their technologies uh, to moving to things like QR codes. And so we have several of the payment methods that are using the QR codes. And I think we've seen this here, and you think about, you know, you walk around, if you go to restaurants, most restaurants are now moving to, like, QR code menus, right? Well, similarly, if you think about buying online. Even QR codes being used uh, in that in that type of experience, or QR codes if I'm if I'm out shopping uh, and I can link it to my wallet as part of a technology, uh, and now it's a it's a card not present transaction because I'm not presenting a card, or if it's linked to a bank transfer or a wallet like an Alipay or a WeChat or or one of the other wallets that are dominant around the world. So all of those things progressing from a technology standpoint um, are allowing this shift to take place, uh, and really it's driven by. Consumers' ease of use uh, and the products and and availability and uh, and on the on the shopping sites. But you mentioned the next slide. So what we've saw is a change in some of the behaviors uh, across uh, and some some interesting things from a growth standpoint. Um, You you we'll talk about the first one there. So the consumers are in Mexico, merchants are in the U.S. And this isn't something that's new. I mean, it's gone on for years where there's. products and services here in the U.S. are being offered and vice versa, but you have customers in Mexico that are buying it from U.S. merchants. Uh, And we saw a growth of 11% uh, during uh, in in January to June of this year. So not a giant growth, but a good enough growth. And I think where we saw it certainly was on the the cash method. So like OXO, which is similar to what I mentioned earlier, it's a cash-based method uh, where the consumer actually, there's something like 50,000 OXO stores down in Mexico where the consumer, again, is printing off a voucher, they're going to the OXO local convenience store, and they use this to pay a lot of things. They may pay their utilities this way, they may pay for certain services this way, but they can also pay for e-commerce purchases this way. Um, And so we saw a a growth there. Um, The next one, uh, these are consumers in Belgium, uh, who bank contact as the the largest payment method in Belgium. Uh, It's a local card there, but it also acts as a bank transfer method. So it's extended to my bank account. Uh, and you know merchant the merchants in germany saw 52 percent growth uh from the consumers in in belgium and again through during this period of time uh and again if you're a, a merchant in germany uh which in germany they traditionally are not very card card centric uh they're very used to bank transfer methods themselves because they typically uh, most consumers don't have credit cards there um so they're they're used to these uh, lo- levels of local payment methods uh, and acceptance there and understanding that uh, the ideal, as I mentioned before, in the Netherlands, you have consumers there uh, in the Netherlands that are shopping in uh, Ireland, and my guess is they're buying buying good Irish whiskey. Uh, now, I don't know that for a fact, but uh, I have to imagine that's got to be the number one export out of Ireland. Um, so ideal is the payment method and, and linking that, and you see the huge increase there, 240%, which is uh, quite incredible uh, And when you think about the, the growth there. Um, we mentioned so forth and Klarna early on in this uh, podcast, and uh, certainly those are methods that are uh, used for either the local bank account or Klarna can be used uh, in a m- number of manners for a, for a pay later or an invoice type of payment, uh, slicing the payment up. Uh, and to uh, and here you see the, the growth there from uh, from for French merchants from uh, German consumers, and the last but not least there are, again Polish consumers buying from uh, from Netherlands merchants. Uh, And uh, the merchants in the Netherlands were offering uh, one of these payment methods uh, that the uh, the Polish prefer. So that we saw those examples. We've seen those examples around the globe. This was very Eurocentric here uh, because we saw a lot of transactions taking place in these particular areas Uh, and and Europe is a kind of a microcosm for cross border because you have so many countries there and so many different types of consumers, so many languages Uh, But across the globe. If anywhere you go anywhere on the world. And you're going to see maybe not the exact same types of growth, but you're going to see growth in a cross-border manner. And I think this is really important that uh, U.S. merchants take notice, that uh, PSPs here notice, uh, that it's important when you're selling to these geographies, uh, that these particular payment methods are very important. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Very interesting stuff. Um, PPRO, obviously, uh, as we discussed today, uh, has an impressive amount of really insightful information and data, um, not only about the effects of the current global pandemic, COVID-19, e-commerce, but also, you know, c- consumer behaviors in general, payment methods, et cetera. Um, you have even more information than what we discussed today in uh, the P-PRO white paper, Payments in a Time of Social Distancing. So for any of our listeners who are interested in more information about what we've discussed today or uh, or from P-PRO's white paper, um, please feel free to visit our website, uh, copstop.com, on the tab, Payment Insights. Uh, where you can find today's episode as well as a link to the white paper that I just referenced. I'd like to thank our guest expert, Steve, for joining us today and for sharing so much information. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And be sure to keep an eye out for future episodes of Payment Insights, the CompuTop podcast.
1: Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Brianna. Thank you, Jen.
0: Thank you both. Yeah. Mm-hmm.